Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. Welcome back. Have you ever um, known people that struggle to see the obvious in front of him? Uh, I'm, I'm sure those with kids have, have experienced times where they've seen, sent their children to find something uh, in their room. It could be a hat or shoes or clothes. Uh, and, and they go into their room and they, they're back moments later or even five minutes later saying, I can't find it. And a quick investigation goes in and you find the hat hung up on the floor um, or the shoes sort of in two different places but easily found. Uh, husbands um, and even kids again, uh, we can also fall into the trap of, of our wives will send us to the cupboard or to the fridge to find something or even to the shops and say, here, this is something I want you to find. And, and as I say with, with my Lego club, with my kids there, um, I'll, we, we end up looking with our elbows. We can't see what is right in front of us at times. And, and we don't want to ask for help either. We just, we just want to sort of go, can't do it, sorry, and give up. And the thing is, it can be the same way with God as well. We can actually see, or we can fail to see the obvious things that God is doing uh, in us, around us, and in our world. And part of that, I think, is because our attention is focused too much on ourselves. Because when you think about God is at work, God is at work doing numerous things, God is at work doing small and big things. So it shouldn't be difficult to see what God is doing, and yet we struggled with that because I think we take up too much of our own focus. So today... Um, our sermon title is Looking to God as we continue this series on experiencing God and knowing and doing His will. So the first thing I want to look at is having a God-centered life. Now, a God-centered life is a life um, that is focused on what God wants rather than having a self-centered life. Now, a self-centered life, again, is not necessarily being selfish. We all know people that are, are selfish and people that are selfish, well, they always want to talk about themselves. They all, or their problems are always the most important, they're most in need, the biggest problems, and yours are not as important. Um, they always wait in conversation to bring back the attention to themselves. That's a selfish person. A self-centered person is not as obvious as you think. And we can get into the trap at times um, going, well, I'm not selfish, so I'm not doing too bad. But a self-centered person um, is someone that Again, we may be the only person that are aware if we are self-centered or not. Now, here's a, a list for being self-centered. Um, first of all, you're proud of what you have done. Self-confident. Depend, you depend on yourself and your own abilities. You seek to be acceptable to the world. Uh, you look at situation from a human perspective. And settling for an acceptable life. Do you remember when you had your last job interview? Thinking on that list that I've just shared, some of those things in a job interview are pluses. When you go to a job interview, you want to be self-confident. You want to be able to be dependable. You want to have abilities that you'd be able to look back and go, look at what I've done. You want to be proud of your achievements so you can sort of brag on a little bit to hopefully your future boss. That being said, 
we're not trying to get a job when it comes to being, when we're looking at our lives being self-centered or God-centered. We are looking to experience God more. And so what does a God-centered life look like? Well, first of all, we're humble before God. We actually realize how big God is. Our confidence is in God, not in ourselves. Our dependence is on God's ability and provision. So again, we don't look at, to get ourselves out of our own mess. We look to God to guide and equip as he see fits. We seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. We seek God's perspective in every circumstance, not just the ones where we can't figure out ourselves. And we come back to holy and godly living. You see, when you compare the list of God takes prominent place in all of that, he takes that number one position. And I, I believe one of the biggest problems is that we are in a position where our, our focus is too much on ourselves. We actually see God as part of our story. And, and so rather than seeing the, the, the truth of the matter is that we are part of God's story. When God is part of our story, we can hide behind, um, we can hide him in the cupboard, um, we can leave him behind at home when it's inconvenient. But when we are part of God's story, all of a sudden, um, we, we, sh- we can, it switches our thinking and we are left asking the question of how can I um, be a part of what God is doing? Which brings us to our second point of God's plans versus our plans. No one likes when their plans are disrupted. You could be a teenager and you're planning to go hang out with your friends and mum and dad say no. And you go, oh, that sucks. Or you can be a, a child who's planning to go sort of um, monopolise some of those Easter eggs that you might still have, have left over in the, in, in the fridge. And, you, and mum and dad again say no. Or maybe you're at work and it's a Friday and things are looking slow and, and you think you're going to have a nice relaxing Friday and all of a sudden the boss comes in with a whole lot of work and dumps on your desk or gives to you and all of a sudden your plans go out the window. Maybe you're 2020 and along comes a virus um, that, and you're stuck at home for the foreseeable future. Our plans can get easily disrupted and we don't like it when that happens. We love our plans because they are ours. We seem to have some sort of kind of control. Um, we are able to do what we want. Again, which is self-centered living. But if we are to experience God and we are to look to him and what he is doing, we need to live according to his plans. We need to live in a way where we are seeking him out and doing what he wants. God is, um, God is able to achieve through us what God wants to do. We need to be in that position. When you look at the Bible, who saved the Israelites from the Egyptians? Moses or God? Well, of course, it was God. Well, some of you might say Moses, but it was God who saved the Israelites from the Egyptians. He chose to use Moses. Who beat Goliath? Again, some of you might quickly say David, but it was God who actually prepared David. God actually beat Goliath. Who understood Pharaoh's dreams? Was it God or, or, or Joseph? Of course it was God. And even though this idea is repeated over and again through Scripture, we can still overlook God when it comes to the plans for our own lives and even in the plans for our church. It's important to understand what God is about to do where I am rather than telling God what I will do for him. And again, sometimes we think we're doing really great when we say, God, I am so committed to you. This is what I'm willing to do. And other people will look around and go, wow, that person is so committed. Look at how much they're willing to do for God. And we we can give them a spiritual applause almost. But the thing is, again, that's not actually being God-centered. That's being self-centered. That's saying, this is my commitment to you. 
where God actually says, here are my plans, will you do those? There's a bit of a difference there. We need the, we, with the, and this is something we need to understand over our whole lives. We need to seek God in all areas of our lives um, to, to, to see what he is doing. And you may have given part of your life to God. Um, you may have given a lot or a little. Um, but we need to be open in all areas to experience God in his fullness. You may need to pray for God's guidance now over a number of areas of your life and how you should respond. You might need to pray over your life and say, God, how do you want to work in, in my personal life? How do you want to work in my family? How do you want to work in our church? How do you want to work in my workplace, in my community, and in our nation? And you might say, but that's a lot to give over to God. Can't I just give him my Sundays and the special times each year? Anything, but we need to remember, anything we hold back will lessen our experience of God. Genesis 12.5 says, He took his wife Sarah, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. Now, Abraham was called to give up everything and go and follow God. And, and sometimes we read those verses. He did actually move away from his family. He, he went into something unknown. There was definitely faith there that Abraham walked through with. But at the same time, did you see what he took with him? He took his wife, which is thumbs up to Abraham, or Abram at the time, um, to take his wife with him. You don't want to leave your wife behind. He took his nephew. I suppose that's acceptable as well. But when he looked at it, he took all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household. So when he say all the people he had taken in the household, these were all the people that worked for him to help him do the different things. Now, the thing is, so in taking all that stuff with him, Abraham had a fallback plan. He had something that he could rest on. If God didn't come through, if God didn't provide, I had something with me. Again, if, if I, don't, I want to be comfortable where I go. So all of a sudden, I've got my wealth. I want to be able to do different things. I've got my wealth that I can fall back on. But at the same time, what we see is that because he took his wealth with him, there were a number of occasions where he found himself actually being deceptive because he was afraid of losing his wealth. Twice he actually told his wife to be someone else for, because he was afraid of losing what he had. And again, that actually lessened his experience of God because he was willing to do that. And so we need to make sure we don't sort of adopt our plans and to make them look godly. We need to take on God's plans. And in this, what we need to realize is that God takes the initiative. In Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram. Now, nowhere in that verse does it say, um, Abram basically approached the Lord. He had some spare time and sort of said, God, what would you, is there anything you need doing and I can help you out with? He didn't do that. Abram basically got to the point where um, he was approached by God. God took the initiative. God approached Abram. God didn't come up with a, an idea and say, God, wouldn't this be great? God is sovereign and we need to keep our lives centered on him because he is our pace setter. That means he sets the speed for his plans to be unfurled. Again, he doesn't want to give us his plans and we go, thanks, God, that's a great idea. I'll run with it from now. Uh, I'll, I'll check back in with you later. No, again, we're not, we're not talking about that because, again, experience with God is about walking with him, being present with him. And so we need to join with him in what he's doing. But let's look at uh, Genesis 12, uh, second part of verse 1 to verse 3. It says, Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous. 
and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with your contempt and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. See, in understanding God, the, the initiative that take, God takes the initiative, there is a realization that sinks in that God speaks to his people. We, we see God really explaining clearly um, the steps that Abram needed to take. Again, it wasn't a very specific um, a step-by-step um, um, plan, but also it covered, the, the, I suppose, the umbrella of what God was going to do. I'm going to take you to a land. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless people. I'll bless you, and through you, other people will be blessed. See, in the Old Testament, God spoke at many times in a variety of ways. Prophets, he spoke directly to people. Um, through Jesus, God spoke. And now also God speaks through the Holy Spirit, who um, basically God sent to us after Jesus died and rose again. And everyone who believes in God um, has that Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will speak through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, through the church. But the problem is that we still seem to get to the point uh, where we are going, how can I hear the voice of God? Now, if you're really listening to something, I've got a key here for you. If you want to know how to hear the voice of God, there's, there's, there, this is it. Knowing God's voice comes from an intimate love relationship with God. That's it. Now, an intimate love relationship with God takes time. You need to spend time um, listening to God and speaking to God. You need to spend time getting to know God more, to, to see what he's doing, to look to him. And so it's in that relationship that God will speak to you. Have you ever been walking down um, uh, maybe a busy um, sort of shopping center? It probably not happening at the moment too much. And someone calls out your name and it's a voice that you recognize. And because of that, you will stop and turn around. And, and you, you, you know that voice. Even I, I see parents calling out to their kids or, or kids calling out mum, 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 mum or dad, dad. And parents know, hey, that's the voice of my child and they recognize it and they respond to it. It is through relationship with God that we are able to know the voice of God. And so if your relationship with God isn't great, then this becomes a really difficult thing to do. And so, but when we start hearing God, what we start to realize is that God speaks with a purpose. See, God, when he called Abraham, or Abram at the time he became Abram, he actually said, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, the problem here, that with a great nation, it starts with one descendant. Abram didn't have any. He didn't have a single one. And at that time, he was really, um, he was on the old side of things. Um, some of you out there can really relate to that. And the last thing you want is to be having your first child when you're, you're turning sort of, um, you're looking at your retirement years. But Abram was still looking to have a child and God promised him to have one. And so Abram had some faith. Now, again, when, when God sort of comes and speaks to you, you may expect God to, to move quickly and, and to do something. But in reality, what happened, it was 25 years when God first promised to make him a great nation until his son Isaac was born. So Abram was old when God promised him. He was really old when his son came along. But God actually develops our character to match the assignment he gives us. And so sometimes God is calling us to do something and he says, but you need to grow first to match the job that I'm giving you. And I've seen it in people who are really passionate about certain things saying, I want to be the best this or the best that. 
I want to be able to run the marathon the quickest. And it's sort of, they do one practice run and they go, ooh, yeah, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Because again, you've got to be able to develop and grow in that area to, to be um, better at it. And so God, that's what God is doing. He, he wants to develop our character through situations, through opportunities, through struggles, through good times, through learning about him and his word, through prayer and us trusting and looking to him through that time. And as our character develops, all of a sudden we're ready for the assignment he has for us. Genesis 12, 2, as I said, I will make you a great nation. I will make you a great nation. Yet it didn't happen immediately. It happened over a period of 25 years. And even about 10 years into it, Abram again was basically worried that he wasn't going to have a child. And God came to him in chapter 15 of, of Genesis. And, he's, and, and Abram basically, he makes this sort of little remark. And he says, well, you haven't given me the son. And so therefore, all my inheritance is going to go to the servant who works in my house. I have no heir because you haven't done it. It was Abraham's way of reminding God, hey, God, um, you know, when I left my homeland, you said I was going to have a kid and it hasn't happened yet. And at the time, my wife was struggling to have kids and she was old and now she's still struggling to have kids and she's older and it's still coming. But 15 years after this, we actually see the promise come to fruition. See, the moment God speaks to us is the very moment God wants us to respond, but it doesn't mean the outcome that God is calling to us is going to happen. So when God sort of said to Abram, I want you to leave your land, he didn't want to say, oh, I want you to leave your land once a kid comes. I want you to leave your land now. And the promise I'm making to you, it will come at some point in time, but it's not here yet. But I want you to grow through this opportunity. I want you to respond to me in the immediate um, time. Why? Because it is God's timing. Again, I see this as a parent as, um, and, and that difference between parents' timing and kids' timing. Like I'll say it's dinner time and the kids will go, I've just got five minutes more of the TV show I want to watch. Now, again, there's, there's going to come a clash with that because I'm going, no, well, tea's ready on the table now. You can turn the TV off now or you can turn the TV off forever. Like that's my sort of response. But for the kids, they're sort of, okay, the TV's on, I've got this to do right now, I'll get to dinner in a second. And before, like, you parents are going, yeah, I, I've seen that happen in my own home and all that other stuff. The thing is, we respond more like kids to God than we do as adults to God. God says, I've got this that I want you to respond to right now. And we come up with a whole lot of reasons for saying, hey, not yet, I'm busy doing this, I've got other things happening, I'm a bit stressed at the moment, I'll get to it soon. But if God is saying, this is the time for you to act, and God's timing is never wrong, then the only thing we can take away from that is that we are wrong when we don't respond to God immediately. See, God asked Abram to begin immediately, but that the fulfillment didn't happen till a long time afterwards. It was a journey that Abram needed to take, which he would fully come to experience God and trust in him fully. See, the small assignment of God is are always used to develop character. And if God has a great assignment for you, he has to develop great character for you to match before he gives it to you. And if we truly want to experience God, we do need to, need to let him to be Lord of our lives. It's one of those things, when we become a Christian, you may have sort of said the phrase, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Now, Saviour means I accept that Jesus gets me out of the mess that I found myself in. He takes me from the punishment and gives me the reward. He takes me from death to life. We are all happy with that. But that other phrase, we accept him to be Lord, again, we're happy saying it, but we don't always sort of agree with it in practice. 
Because what happens is we say, God, I don't want to do that thing. I don't want to, I I want to do my own thing right now. And again, we're talking about experiencing God fully. We're talking about looking to God. And if we're looking to God, we actually need to let him be Lord. And if he is Lord, if if we let God truly be Lord in our life, he has the right to interrupt our lives as he sees fit. Why? Because our lives are part of God's story rather than God is part of our story. Now, I just want to finish up on a thought that I, I, I in reading my devotions this week, um, I, I had a friend of mine, um, his name was Aaron Chaskinski. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, sorry. But we, we shortened it to Ticker. So, hey, Ticker, if you ever see this. But um, we called him Ticker, and he also had a nickname called The Phantom because Ticker would have this un, uh, sort of unique skill of being in a group of people and then everyone would be talking, and all of a sudden he wasn't there. And then the, the, the opposite was true too. You'd be talking to a group of people and all of a sudden you're having this conversation with maybe 10 people and all of a sudden he joins in the conversation. We go, where did you come from? And he even did it to me one time. I'm, I'm sure he remembers. Um, one night he, he texts me um, about staying at my place one night and I was already in bed and so I've got to get up early in the morning. You can stay at my place tomorrow night. Um, but lo and behold, like probably a couple of hours later, I had this tap on my door and there he was. <laughs> he just showed up out of nowhere. And so he stayed the night and I came home from what I was doing that day and he was still there watching the footy. And so eventually he did go home. He, he had this innate ability of, of showing up and then disappearing and we wouldn't even know that he wasn't present anymore. That idea got me thinking because uh, as I was reading some things this week, I think sometimes we can get so casual with God in our lives. Um, it's this casual relationship we have with God and what he's wanting to do that we're happy to talk about God in certain places, we're happy to think about God in certain places, but we start going through a, a, a ritual or routine, and that's what religion is. It's, it's ritual without any, like, it's, it's not a relationship. And see, if you're going through a ritual or routine when it comes to God, you can get so comfortable with him that you can get to the point that you may not know that he's no longer present in your life. He's absent from what you are doing. When you come to plan your, your day to day, your week to week, your, your year ahead, when you even come to sort of talk about your involvement in God's church and, and how God can use you, you can find God is absent from that. And that's not a good place to be. And if we want to experience God fully, we need to look to him. We need to have a God-centered life. We need to follow his plans. We need to listen for his voice. And, and as we listen, we'll understand the purpose of him developing character in us to achieve his will. And so uh, this week, I encourage you to really be explicit, to be praying and looking for how God is wanting to work in and around your life, looking at what he's already done and be encouraged by that, but also be challenged in areas where God isn't present in your life and bring him into that and say, God, what is your plans for this part of my life? What is your plans for my workplace? What is your plans for my family? What is your plans for my life? Bring God into that and look to him as he wants to guide you. I pray that you're challenged today by that. Let's take a moment to pray. Pray, Lord, we, we thank you that you have a plan for each one of us. I thank you that we are part of your story. Uh, that really encouraged me this week as I thought about that. Um, 
my story at times can still be going nowhere, but your story is always on the move. It's always going forward. And I'm part of that story as long as I see it that way. And so I pray that we all see our lives as part of your story, as your kingdom sort of work in this world, that we understand that you have plans for each one of us and that we would know those plans and that we would do those plans. I pray that we would want to practice a God-centered life, a life that revolves and makes you prominent in all areas of, of, of what we do. And in so doing, Lord, I, I pray that we grow in our relationship with you, that we may know your voice um, amidst all the, the things that we do. And in so doing, Lord, I pray that we would um, come to love you more uh, and to hear the purposes you have for us. Let us be willing to take the journeys that we have in growing in those areas um, as you prepare us for the assignments that you have for us. And may this week be a week that we look to you and that we see you and, and see you abundantly. And we pray this in your name. Amen. 